0: hello everyone it's me kendra Arsno spectrum magazine sda kinship along with yours truly have come together to bring you a brand new podcast series called imago gay where we bring you the latest on queer theology studies and a minority perspective on faith all right everyone i have an interesting story for you all today We're gonna be talking with Ari Bates, and she has some interesting information, an interesting story to tell. There have been a lot of things developing down at Southern Adventist University. Some of you might already have heard about it, read articles about it, uh, but we're gonna hear her story from her lips. And um, I know that, you know, transgenderism can be a really difficult topic for many, I think because people don't have a lot of trans friends, Maybe you listening to the podcast, you do, and that and that's wonderful. I think when we don't have those types of friendships, um, we can get a little siloed in our thinking, and there can be some really kind of mean and bigoted things said. I mean, honestly. So we're just not going to do that. We're going to be cool today and listen and really ask ourselves, you know, the ways that we go about living our lives and doing our theology always asking ourselves the question, am I causing harm or is what I'm doing breathing life? And so anyway, short introduction, I think we should just get into it. Well, so maybe you can share with us your story because a part of what I want this platform to be is like, is where voices can be heard and ways that voices are often silenced. So, you know, a little bit about my story, um, you know, coming out as bisexual on my podcast and two days later being fired and that just being like one, I think an indicator of like, oh, wow, this, I didn't know how unsafe we actually were and here we are. Um, And I think that it was a shock for a lot of people who are looking for a church that is a lot more. Uh, progressive and safe in their ideals and in their values. So I just wonder if you could just share the story about what happened. First, you know, your name, what you're doing, and how this all came about.
1: Um, Your story actually was a a strong influencing factor in how I started approaching this. Um, I'm, I'm directing a documentary currently about untold stories in the church and so, really, just the way that you stood up into that and just didn't give up was one of the one of the reasons that I felt like I could actually maybe make a difference and and not get shut up by the church about mm-hmm. this. Um, so, I came out as trans um, on social media. I was going to say last week, but I guess it's a week and a half ago. Initially. No kickback. Um, it was a very, very welcoming, accepting response. Um, and I, I owe that to the really strong community that I have on social media that I've built over a long time of, of not really having people in person. And so I, I found a lot of really supportive people all over the country. On Monday, I went into work. At Southern, um, I'm a student worker. I'm the director of Engage Worship, and so basically, I coordinate three worship bands that travel around the country. So I go into work Monday, and I have an email from from the chair of the Sexual Integrity Committee at Southern, um, asking to quote unquote hear my perspective.
0: First of all, the Sexual Integrity Committee sounds very scary. Like, <laughs> what <laughs> what is this committee exactly?
1: Essentially, they're the committee that drafts all of the policies on campus about sex. Um, so they, they write the policy on what happens to pregnant students. They write the policy on um, the weirdest stuff, honestly. Wow. They, they write the policy on what happens to students if they're caught having sex on campus, things like that
0: this is okay. This is like, this deserves its own investigation and podcast. Like what is the sexual tech? Okay. That's crazy. So there's a whole committee that's like monitoring people's sexual activities and drafting policies for how to deal with that. And so they contact you on Monday.
1: Mm-hmm. So the chair of the committee is actually a family friend. Um, I've known him for years. My parents worked closely with him and his wife, um, because my dad has his doctorate in biblical counseling. It's it's that all of the biblical counselors kind of hang out together in the Adventist church. And in the past, he has been supportive. There's always that line in the church that you walk of, I support you as people. I think that you should still be celibate, you know, things like that. He's always expressed care. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, and so I responded to his email. And I said, I've got some availability on Wednesday. Let's talk then. Right after that email, I, was, I wasn't even settled in at work. I, I just sat down, you know, and the director of admissions. Um, so he comes over to my desk. He says, I need to talk with you in my office right now. So no time to prepare. I knew exactly what it was about. Ah. Um, <laughs> so I get up, go to his office, and what's presented to me in that meeting. I, I want to be careful with this, because the individuals involved in these series of events within these these two couple of days here, mm-hmm. the individuals are great people. i I love the individuals dearly. Um, and they've been incredibly supportive of me in my job.
0: Can I just say I get it? I think that's exactly how I felt with ALC. And it's like, they, the, you know, I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I had there, very grateful for the interactions that I had had there. And at the same time, you know, like, you know, people are going to come for them. <laughs> because, you know, this is a really important issue. And it's like, really trying to straddle the balance of like, I think myself and you included. Um, but like, very empathetic, right, to how difficult these issues can be and people not always having the training and the resources. And so I just want to say, I get it. And I'm empathizing with you because I'm like, wow, I so so see myself straddling the same line. And other people are like, girl, you better stop feeling sorry.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, So I'm I'm fully aware that this meeting was required by administration um, and that it wasn't Ryan Herman's choice to have this meeting with me. And he cares for me as an individual deeply. In fact, through the entire meeting, he was kind of shaking. Um, he he didn't want to be there. And, and I could tell. Right. What was communicated to me though, um, what he was required to communicate was that Southern is currently drafting and has been for the past two years, a new sexual integrity policy. It covers a lot of different things, which thank God it actually includes protection for students that get pregnant on campus um they are not allowed to get kicked out things like that but they're also including transgender students for the first time ever Um, and southern is also the first seventh day adventist university to ever write a policy on trans students wow yeah um, and so what, what I was told in the meeting on Monday was that this new policy would include a requirement for students to dress as their assigned gender at birth. Um, and I was asked if I would be willing to comply with that policy once it's implemented. My response to that was, no, I'm not comfortable doing that. I said, regardless of your experience as a cisgender individual and how you might view this situation, I'm a woman and I'm going to dress as a
0: woman. I guess I think a lot of these policies, especially at religious institutions, are grounded in certain beliefs. And so I'm curious, you know, let's—I want to talk a little bit about some of the beliefs that are behind these policies, and just kind of hear from you Um, when we when people say like, um, "Okay, we're not going to call you a she. We're not going to. We're not okay with the pronouns thing," or. Uh, We're not going to accept you as a woman. And they say things like that. Uh, I'm sure that somewhere in their minds, they think that they're doing what God would want them to do or to say. Uh, But what do you hear when people say those things? Do you hear the voice of God speaking through them? Uh, Like, what do you hear?
1: I hear ignorance, to be honest. Um, There's a certain level of biblical dependence for conservative Christians that discounts modern science, discounts sociology, discounts philosophy. And there is strong, strong evidence that it isn't my DNA to be queer. I have the wrong chromosomes, sure, but this is a genetic biological thing that I had zero choice in from the day that I was conceived. And Christians, when they they express like, oh, oh, you'll never be a woman because you have the wrong chromosome or, um, <laughs> or they, them pronouns are, are plural. You're one person. We can't use them in the singular. It demonstrates ignorance. It demonstrates an ing- ignorance of the English language. It demonstrates an ignorance of science. And if they are aware of the studies, it demonstrates that they will put The manuscripts of a God that invented science above the science that that God invented.
0: Like, okay, so you hear this a lot in religious circles too. Like, okay, you can't recognize that what I'm doing right now is actually loving and that I have to stand against how you're choosing to live your life right now. And that's the most loving thing I could do because I'm concerned for your salvation. I have thoughts on that. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so, that is, wh- yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh. <laughs> that so, is the exact same thing that my abusive parents told me not allowing us to go to church because we have a bruise on our face. They told us we're doing this out of love. You can't see it now, but we punish you because we love you. And I hear it again and again. From the equally spiritually abusive conservative Seventh-day Adventists who look at my life and they say, we are not going to support you or condone you. And this is because of love. And you don't see it now, but you will when you're dead in a ditch someday because you made a wrong choice.
0: That is crazy. And I guess that goes to the next question because, okay, do you ever think there will be a time in your life where you're going to look back and say, thank you so much for being harsh? And as harsh as you were, because it's not what I wanted to hear, but it's what I needed to hear. I couldn't see your love then, but I see it now. Do you think you'll ever say those words? I think there
1: is a time when I will say thank you for being harsh, because that harshness showed me what true love is.
0: Mm.
1: I see such a strong contrast between them. And the people who are giving up time, resources, money, love, emotional bandwidth to make sure that I'm okay. And so, yeah, I'll say thank you to the people judging the hell out of me because they showed me what is not true love. And so I was told that once the policy is implemented, um, in the near future, that if I didn't comply, I would be asked to resign from my position.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: And so the meeting ended by me being told that they needed to think about it and that I would get an update in a few days.
0: First of all, how many trans students are on Southern, on on Southern's campus, like that they felt like they needed to draft this policy? Right, right.
1: There's, There's one student that's out that I know of. Mm -hmm. Um, He, to the best of my knowledge, came out while not enrolled. And so as of right now, to the to the farthest extent that I know, I'm the first Southern student to come out as trans while enrolled.
0: One, congratulations. Thanks for making history. (laughs) And two, what an unnecessary like targeting of an individual. You know what I mean? It's like, here's an entire policy just for you, Ari. Um, I mean, it's hard not to feel targeted by that those types of gestures by the administration.
1: Yeah. And they, they told me that they had been drafting the policy for two years, but the fact that it was brought up now before it's implemented specifically for me, that that got me. So Tuesday was pretty uneventful. Wednesday, I had my meeting with the chair of the Sexual Integrity Committee, and that meeting was very vague. We both recorded it. We're not publishing each other's recordings, but we have it. Essentially, what was communicated was that because the policy isn't in effect yet, he can't tell me what it says. Okay. When is it going to
0: come into effect? Like, Did they give a date?
1: No, there's no date. Um, It was approved by the Ad Council last week. Um, And so from there, it goes to S.A. Senate. And then if Senate passes it, then it goes into effect immediately.
0: And who's on S.A. Senate? I mean, like how many who like what comprises its administration,
1: uh, um, as well as some student representatives that are elected along the same time as S.A. elections.
0: So like what's like and maybe you don't know this, but like what are like the bylaws, like how much percentage of the vote do they have to have for something to pass or is it like unanimous? Is it 60%? I'm I'm be curious about that.
1: That's a great question. I honestly don't know. Um, I, I've been heavily involved in a lot of activism on campus. I've tried going through the policy channels. I've tried going through all of the, the procedures that have been set up for student complaints Mm. And I have never seen action taken through those channels. Hmm. I have seen action taken when students are loud, when students have 2,000 signatures on a petition. Right. But not through the the, um, appropriately documented channels.
0: Wow.
1: So I will say that in that meeting with the, the chair, it was... Communicated at the very beginning, before anything else was said, that um, Southern cares for me as a person, um, and that they want me there. From there, we got into the policy pretty quickly. While he couldn't tell me exactly what was on it, he did confirm that the the dress was discussed in it, and he did not correct what had been told me about. The, the new dress policy for trans students. He also indicated that Southern, as the policy stands currently, will be requiring students to use the bathroom of their assigned gender at birth. Southern has maybe two single occupancy bathrooms on campus. Wow. So from there, I asked him what discipline action would be taken towards me specifically if I refuse to comply with the policy mm-hmm. um, once it goes into effect. And essentially what he told me was, well, we, we try not to jump straight into discipline. We would have a conversation with you and try to figure out why you're not following the policy first. And I said, because I'm trans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty
0: obvious. This is why.
1: <laughs> and so I asked him three different times, what specific disciplinary action would be taken? And I couldn't get a straight answer on it. So the way the meeting ended was essentially that we don't have an update until the policy goes into effect. And that that's what I had to leave there with. Wow. Um, the next day, Thursday, was, was a lot of fun. Let me back up actually. Monday evening after the conversation with the admissions director, because of what I explained about the appropriate channels on campus mm. and knowing that those don't work and repeatedly seeing students either expelled or marginalized for who they are, I was terrified, honestly. Um, right. Monday night, I had no idea what was, what was going to happen. Essentially, I was told that I was, I wasn't told I was being fired if I didn't comply, but I was told I would be asked to resign. And if I refused to resign, what would happen? You know, um, And so I was scared. I was scared of an organization, a corporation, not just Southern, but the Adventist church as a whole that repeatedly takes advantage, abuses and silences people. Right. And so I posted the first TikTok about the situation which currently is at, I think, 224,000 views, something like that. It's ridiculous.
0: Yes. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad because, you know, that's how I heard about your story. And I think that, you know, even just to back up for a second, this whole idea that you can care for somebody as a person, but also not care – about them as a trans person like that's not really caring like how are you you know how are you defining the person like I care about you in the ways that I'm allowed to care about you but I can't care about you in your fullness like I think we like to say those types of things um, to make ourselves feel better <laughs> uh but but at the same time still implementing policies that are bigoted and targeted and really just detrimental to a person's well-being and mental health so
1: yeah um and in that video i i, I assume that you've you've watched it if that's how you heard the story um i expressed frustration i expressed fear i expressed anger to some degree but i never condemned southern I never um, told people they shouldn't come to Southern.
0: No, you just told people the facts of the case. You didn't even name the college. I, somebody else named it for me, and then I was like, oh, okay, this is this is our mess. <laughs>
1: Dated at the beginning, um, I came out as trans, and I attend and work at a conservative Christian university in Eastern Tennessee. Following that video, there were updates, um, and I did eventually end up naming Southern, Um that was after maybe 100,000 people were hounding me for it. And at that point, I said, you know what? I'm not doing any good by protecting Southern from this. And I'm not doing anyone else any good either by protecting Southern. Because say say a trans student genuinely wants to come to Southern and they don't know what's happening. Right. I'm doing that student a boatload of harm by not communicating what's happening. In a comment on the original video, no one of the the second update actually. I still hadn't named the school, but somebody commented and said, "I know what school you're talking about. My dad used to teach there." Hmm. Okay, so that that's really all we need to know for the TikTok Thursday. Um, I go into work, I sit down at my desk, and I open up my email, and I have an email from the VP of Admissions for Southern and. He said, before you do anything at work, come directly to my office. Okay. So I go, the director of admissions is there as well. And I'm told I'm not allowed to record the meeting. And all of us are putting our phones outside of the office during the meeting.
0: Boo. Boo, 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 boo. You're right. <laughs> Big red flag
1: there. <laughs> <I> know, <right? laughs>
0: I'm like, I'm recording everything. So you want to talk to me? We'll be talking with my phone as well. But yeah, no, they they, they put you in these situations where if you want to record, you have to do it stealthily. Um, but so oh man. Essentially,
1: what I'm told in that meeting is that Southern loves me, Southern wants me on campus. But due to the recruitment aspect of my job as the engaged director and the high profile that I hold, that my social media representation of Southern was contrary to the mission of the admissions and and enrollment services department. And I was told, um, your social media representation is, is in a direct conflict with your job in recruitment. And I was told that as the VP of admissions, his job was to protect Southern's recruitment at all costs. And because of that, I would be placed on paid administrative leave indefinitely. Essentially, he told me that following that that leave, once the policy is implemented, I would be asked if I was willing to comply with the new policy and um, remove the posts from social media. And if I was willing to do that, then I would potentially be reinstated in my position. But if I wasn't, then I'd be asked to resign.
0: They know what this is, right? Like they know they're giving an impossible ultimatum to basically say, don't say anything about, you know, uh, our transphobia. Like, please don't out any of the things that we're doing that are not good. And you can have your position back. And like any person with, like, as you're walking with the integrity of what it means to be a trans woman, like, you can't violate that within yourself and say, well, I'm just going to deny myself the integrity that I need to live with myself every day in order to, you know, make your institution happy. Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, they know that this is not going to work, a relationship that's not going to work out long term. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So I left that meeting terrified. Um, I moved out of my parents' house when I turned 18 because of abuse, and Southern because of subsidy and scholarships. It was the most feasible place that I could come, and Southern gave me a place to live, uh, food to eat, and education, all virtually for free. And I spent three years dedicating a lot of time and effort to Southern in my in my job as engaged director. And I, I run a freelance film business on the side. And I make about 15 times as much money from that as I do from Southern. But I've intentionally sidelined that so that I could dedicate time to my 27 employees because I care about that job and I care about those people. And I walked out of that meeting really discouraged and really scared. What happens when I don't comply with the policy? So at that point, I posted another TikTok update, and people started cult calling ACLU in the comments. Mm, but on that video, the trans justice advocate for ACLU Tennessee commented, um, and he he was like, "I want to get involved. DM me. I, I want to talk about how we can possibly help."
0: Can I just say, like, I recently talked with a lawyer in Detroit, and she does Title IX cases, and. We're going to have a podcast coming out soon with her on it because we're looking at what do you do in cases of discrimination when it comes to like, it's the sticky policy when it comes to religious institutions or religious employers and how that interacts with the First Amendment and the freedom of religion. And so it's all of this complication, but one angle that I have not heard this talked about on, and maybe there's a lawyer out there listening, but like, uh, is not, because there's so much exemption um, for churches and religious institutions on the basis of discrimination, but I don't know what the exemptions are when it comes to sexual harassment, right? Because sexual harassment is not just about a cat calling, right? But it's creating a, a, a an environment of hostility when it comes to a person's gender, sexuality anything of that nature. And I haven't seen that particular angle, but I have hope that <laughs> that that is an angle that can be taken in the legal world that might actually have a better result with religious institutions and like their discrimination. But yes, continue. So ACLU is involved.
1: Yeah. Um, so we're not exactly sure where that's going to go right now. But um, Henry, the trans justice advocate, um, he He's an incredible resource. He's an amazing person. Um, I'm actually driving out to Nashville on Wednesday to just get coffee with him and just talk about things. Um,
0: Can I just say like also congratulations because not everyone knows this. I've shared about it on my podcast from time to time, but I came from an abusive marriage and I know what it's like to try and keep secrets in order to protect people and I think when you have been instilled in this type of dynamic inside of a family system, inside of a relationship, it transfers to places like the workplace, right? Where you are seeing the good of this other person. And even though they're writing policies to harm you, you feel this need to make excuses for them. And you feel this need to like protect them and say, I don't want other people to think that they're bad people. I know that they're, they're not all bad. And And you get into this cycle where it's really hard to break and really hard to stand in your own truth and really hard to just say, this happened to me and it was wrong. And I think that it's so difficult to finally get to a place where you're saying, I'm sorry, I just have to call it for what it is. And the fact that you're in that place and you're growing in that place of speaking your truth and calling out abuse when it happens, I'm just incredibly proud of you for that because that takes a lot of courage. And growth, yeah.
1: I think that the environment that I came from as a pastor's kid, a counselor's kid, who was facing abuse on a daily basis at home and had even more pressure to be quiet about it. um, I think that that honestly has put me in an amazing place for this issue. As well as the fact that my sister came out in September of last year, or not last year, but a little over a year ago, she came out as trans. I I have an amazing support group, but, and I've been open with people about this. I've told people that every decision that I've made since that initial video has been because I'm aware that I have a thicker skin than a lot of people with stuff Mm -hmm. like this. I... I couldn't care less what people think of me as a person. And every decision I've made is to protect future trans students at Southern and within the Adventist church as a whole. And it's very telling to me that given that motivation, I'm still getting the response that I'm getting. I'm not surprised, but it it, it says something. Um, a friend of mine told me on Saturday we were talking about the two different paths. There's either martyrdom or there's being quiet and working kind of from the inside to to turn it around. He told me, Jesus is the most famous martyr of all all time. So I don't see a problem with martyrdom. (laughs) It's just, you have a choice to make which one you want. Mm -hmm. Um, At this point, I would love to get out. I would love to get off campus. Um, I'm looking for full-time employment. Um, trying to beef out my my freelance contracts and get that up, yeah. Because I think that once I'm out, I have a lot more flexibility in who I talk to about this um, and how public I make it. Because as much as the church tries to silence lawsuits, they respond very quickly to news coverage.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: And so, if it means that I need to get out of Southern and then go to every news source I can find to pick up this story, then I'm willing to do that. So I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to see where, where it goes. Um, and then we'll see how the Southern Union responds to that.
0: I I am fuming over here and I'm so angry because, you know, I had a similar conversation with the Dean of the seminary after everything went down. Um, and it was told to me that basically, you know, you should be quiet if you want to finish your last semester. And like, I was already three years into this degree and, you know, however many thousands of dollars. Um, And it's like, okay, I can spend a a semester quiet and also kind of hating myself for being quiet. But at the same time, like I'm not wanting to put myself in jeopardy of losing my degree because, you know, then I leave with nothing, right? Uh, Or I start over somewhere else, but I have to invest more money and more time uh, because only a certain amount of credits transfer over. And so I think it's such a difficult place to be put into when somebody who's holding your degree, as well as your employment, is now making these types of decisions and saying, you know, suppress the parts of yourself who you are uh, in order to make it through this really narrow escape. And I'm just so angry that you would have to be put in that position at all.
1: Yeah, I have a a semester and a half left at Southern, Um, and I'm a very different person than I was when I came to Southern, and so I came as a theology major, Um, and after a year and a half in that, I was realizing this is not who I want to be, Um, this is not supporting who I want to support. And so at that point, the only thing that was close enough that I could transfer to was religious studies. And so I'm religious studies major right now. But those credits don't transfer out of an Adventist school. Mm. So yeah, we're we're kind of stuck. But I think that because of that situation that I came from, I'm a lot more willing to just say, you know, screw it and throw everything to the wind and just Mm. I have an opportunity come up. I'm going to chase it, you know? And so I think it made me a lot more willing to kind of throw it all away. For the sake of something that I care about,
0: I'm sad that the the conversation is like, be a martyr or or just be quiet because it really doesn't leave you with with much of a choice. It's not like you know, you're seeking out a cross to be crucified on. Like you're just being who you are, and you're met with this machine and this engine that wants to crucify you. And so it's either hide or be authentic. And risk that, and I think it's just incredibly unfair uh, for someone like you to have to to deal with that. Like, you're you're so close to the finish line. I'm I'm angry. If they take this away, I'm going to be so mad.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, I I don't think Southern will kick me out. Um, I think that okay. that's very bad for optics. It's um, not necessarily what Southern wants to do either, but they can't expect me. To be quiet, um, because I think that that's what they're what they're going for here. Is they're telling me that they want me on campus, um, and that they're going to do everything they can to keep me here, but that's with the understanding that I would not talk about this.
0: And I, you can answer any question that you want to or not answer. But I'm curious. You know, like how many people ask you what your experience like? is is like as a trans woman, you know, like, do they ask you about your journey? And if they don't, maybe you could share some of that on this podcast. So people have a better idea of what it means to be a trans woman and a trans student, especially in a Christian, conservative, religious environment. I'm sure that's not easy.
1: Yeah. The only people that have asked me that since coming out are part of the queer community. Um, so yeah. Um, Essentially, actually, you know what? I I wrote something when I was deciding if I wanted to come out and it, it's better than anything I'll come up with on the spot.
0: (laughs) Okay. I'm looking forward.
1: At six, I wondered why it was so much fun to put on Aaron's purple princess dress and create my own wacky fashions, including the swimming goggles. At 12, I wondered why I could never put on muscle. I wondered why the thought of my body hair made me want to puke. I wondered why my voice squeaked as I tried to keep my higher register. At 13, I wondered why I only wanted to watch lesbian porn. At 18, I wondered why, despite wanting so bad, why I was terrified to take off my underwear to have visual proof. I wondered why I squeezed my flat little chest together in the shower to make a little cleavage. At 20, I wondered why leggings felt so good to wear, why nail polish and jewelry and high-waisted pants looked so good on me, why I hated my short hair and my deep voice and my Adam's apple. At nearly 21, I'm not wondering anymore. It makes sense now and I'm pissed off that somebody didn't take a second to tell me why that was okay back when I was six. Ariadna means most holy, but to me it means most whole. I just want to be the most whole version of me without lying to myself and everybody around me.
0: That was like, that was succinct. That was beautiful.
1: So what it means as a trans student at Southern. um,
0: Can I ask first, what does it mean as a trans daughter of a pastor?
1: Honestly, I'm not sure. Um, I was disowned a little over a year ago. Um, They try and tell people that that's not what happened. Um, I have the proof. I have the receipts. It was in a text message. They shouldn't have put it in writing if they didn't want that to be. <laughs> right. But um, so I I haven't had contact with them since then, um, and so I don't know. And maybe that is part of what it means as to to be a trans daughter. Um, that's not why I was disowned. I was disowned for setting boundaries. Um, it is weird when. I'm so actively involved in a community that enables and supports my abusers. And I have people asking me on a weekly basis how they're doing. Um, When I heard from them last, oh my God, I love your parents, you know? Mm. Um, But as far as this particular situation, I have
0: no idea. That's a lot. And that's heavy. I think a lot of queer... Christians have gone through the journey, and there are some that are lucky that have not had to lose their parents, but I hear story after story of people either coming out um, as gay or bisexual or trans, and they get kicked out of their home well before they're even able to. I mean, we're talking 16, 17, and placing that child in a very financially vulnerable situation, it's hard. It's hard uh, to also be financially vulnerable and have to deal with kind of the loss of that parental support as well. So, as a as a trans student, you know, in this environment, you felt like, okay, this is a safe place to come to. This is where I can do, do my degree. I can have housing. I can have the things that I need that I'm not no longer maybe accessing in my family unit. Uh, what was it like for you in that environment?
1: It was really scary. Um, we have an underground group of queer students. Um, we we can't be public about it because it's not safe to, um, but there are a good 15 to 20 people that I know that I can go to for support and they, they have supported me intensely through this. So I'm really thankful for that. Um, on a larger scale, Southern is the student body is primarily open-minded. There's maybe 10% of students that are ultra white, right. That being said, I look different than I've always looked. And while students may primarily be open-minded, they're also straight and cis. There are questions, there are looks, there, you know, there's an elephant in the room when I walk into a classroom. And because of that, um, I've skipped a lot of my classes this semester. Um, I have shown up to maybe two class periods in my Bible class Mm. the entire semester. There's a lack of wanting to take time
0: to understand. Regardless of, you know, people's convictions and however they want to approach this and whatever, like what are some helpful things that a person can say or do that will be perceived as God's love or forgiveness or grace, all these altruistic characteristics that I think ultimately we want other people to see uh, and do a poor job of translating the message. So what would that be like for you?
1: I recorded a statement video um, the other day about where I stand on a all of this and what I hope to see happen from it. And at the end of it, I said, I want to see a church that does not view me as God's mistake. Hmm. And I want a church that leaves me alone. The best way that you can demonstrate love to somebody going through what I'm going through is to say, I love you and just stop talking.
0: Mm.
1: If you don't agree with me or think that it's a choice that I'm making, then just don't say anything at all. If you do agree with me, express it. (laughs) And I've had hundreds of people do that. Yeah. But if you don't, you're not going to change my mind because I didn't choose this in the first place,
0: right?
1: you're not going to make me straight. <laughs> right. right? Trust me, honey, I tried.
0: <laughs> right?
1: So just in what world is that going to be effective?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We try so hard to put people in these boxes and to the point of really doing them a lot of harm. And so I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're going through the things that you're going through and that you're experiencing this side of the church. And unfortunately, it's one that's all too familiar to many people of the LGBTQ community. If you could tell some people who are listening who don't know you, but maybe want to know some things about you that you think would be essential to know, what would you tell them?
1: I'm a human being. (laughs) There's so much to me that has nothing to do with my gender. I'm a filmmaker, I'm a storyteller. I love working on my car. I ride horses. I have since I was three years old. I'm a musician. I like cooking. I have some crazy stories in my family and ethnic backgrounds. Ari is a person beyond, gender, beyond her sexuality. And at this moment in time, by many people, not everyone, but by many people, I am viewed solely within the context of my gender and sexuality.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I, I I so relate to you. I think one of the most frustrating parts of like even doing the podcast Imago Gay is like, hey, okay, how do I diversify this? Because- This is just a single part of who I am, right? There is so much more to people than their gender or their sexuality. Yes, it's a lens through which we experience life, right? But there are so many things about our likes and our interests. And like, you seem like a genuinely cool person. I'm like, okay, Ari, can't wait to get off this podcast and really have a conversation with you. (laughs) Like, let's talk film. Let's talk story. I love all this stuff. Um, And so I think that's a great, you know, point. And I think when we talk about reducing a human being down to a policy, it is completely unfair. It is incredibly transphobic. And I am so, so sorry that this is happening to you through an institution that has so much power Um, that they feel like they need to throw the full weight of their might to crush a single human being. It just feels excessive and more than what's needed to be. Like, they don't need to be doing this, right? And I'm sorry that it's happening to you. And I hope, I want to know how people can support you. So, like, I want your Cash App, your Zelle, your Venmo. Like, how can people hire you, people who are, like, independent uh and needing contracted filmmakers like how can people get in touch with you to support you in this journey because financial support is something that i think um you know the lgbtq community needs especially when you're transitioning and in the spaces that you're in and you're facing discrimination and you're looking at the loss of your job and you might hopefully are not looking at the loss of uh, your degree at this point but like how can we begin to support you um as you take this, these next steps in your journey,
1: that means a lot. Um, somebody actually asked on TikTok for my cash app and Venmo. And so I posted a video about it and I'm like, Hey, I'm not asking for money, but it's here. Um, and since then I've gotten $1,500 from people all over the country from as little as $3 to 200 at a time. And it's, it's blown me away. Um, and the crazy thing about that is that when I posted that video saying, I'm not asking for money, but here it is. I had $3 in my bank account.
0: Wow!
1: Um, it's It's been ridiculous. It's been amazing. Um, but probably the easiest way for hiring, info at aberrationfilm.com. Um, just email me that. And I, I would love to send an estimate, talk about what people need. It's been a crazy journey and I'm trying to catch up on notifications. Um, I currently have... 143 unread texts. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty normal.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I am I am trying to respond as fast as possible to especially business inquiries and things like that. Um, so my Instagram is Selena Sina, um, my my middle name, and then C I N E for cinematography. Um, my Twitter is Sandwood Streets, um, and then my TikTok is Pandas Expressed. <laughs>
0: Which I love. That's so cute. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time today. And I am going to be in touch with you. Just, you know, my own personal (laughs) wanting to know how to support you and hopefully our listeners as well, because this is you're like you said, you're a human being. And this is uh, this is an incredibly difficult journey, like emotionally, financially, mental health wise, like this is not easy and you are dealing with so many compounded factors of oppression. And I think that if we want to call ourselves Christian, if we want to call ourselves followers of Christ, like these are the people that we need to come together and actually support. Like when we talk about, Jesus talked about the widow and you know, the stranger than the gates. Like these are people who had like, like they were like the financially marginalized, socially marginalized parts of our community and you represent the person who would need um, that type of compassion and specifically in this transition. And I know for myself, I'm like, look, I don't want anything from anybody. You know, I don't want you to look at me as weak. I am strong. I am fierce. Like, and over here, like eating my ramen noodles in peace.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That is so relatable. Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's, but it's, it's hard to accept like, Uh, help or to say like yeah I am struggling in this way and it's difficult and so I know what it's like to put on a brave face but I'm like this is these are the moments that we need to come together and really support you in the ways that matter so.
1: I would also encourage people to look into donating to ACLU, ACLU Tennessee. Um, It's not only for me, but there there are also active court cases in Tennessee. There are three cases going on um, that ACLU is heading up and they're they're incredibly powerful in protecting people and getting justice for gross misuse of religion.
0: Thanks so much for listening in. Amago Gay is a podcast where we explore queer questions and a colorful God. In addition to curious conversations, I'd love to hear your stories. You can write to me at Kendra R. with an X on Instagram or Facebook, and you can follow our sponsors for today, Spectrum Magazine and SDA Kinship. And be sure to sign up for their newsletters where you will get the latest updates on queer news and happenings. This episode was created and engineered by yours truly and sponsored by Spectrum Magazine and SDA Kinship International. But more importantly, if you are moved by this story and you want to send Ari a little bit of support through Cash App or Venmo, you can do so at Cash App, dollar sign, Ari Selena, that's A-R-I-S-I-L-E-N-A. Or you can do Venmo at Aberration Film. I am so excited to have had this conversation with you all, and I look forward to talking with you next week.